Hey, so we're going to watch a video here. It's short. Um, we got till one, though, Dean said. Um, <clears throat> so, and so the, the, the point of the video, and, you know, is to see how many times, the guy will say it, but how many times does the white team pass the ball? And I just want to see, hey, can, can, you know, how much awareness do we have? How much can, you know, can you be able to see that with all the stuff going on? Count how many times the white team passes the ball. So, cool. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Awesome. How, how many of you, how many of you saw the bear? Right? Not many of you, right? Yeah, I <laughs> got you. Um, right? And so that, that goes with the point. It's, it's easy to not see something that you're not looking for. On the flip side, it is easy to see something that you kind of are looking for. It's easier to find. Do we have a similar mindset when it comes to sin or to people that disagree with us? We're, we're, we're looking for how they're wrong. We're looking for what's messed up, how they might have the wrong idea, but we're extremely slow to maybe see what's going on in us because let's admit, we're not really looking for it. Let's just go with politics, yay. Um, you know, or or let, let's say that media discusses politics. When was the last time that you turned on whatever channel it is and they were like, hey, you know, we typically represent this point of view, and I just want to let you know, hey, I think that we missed some things. When was the last time you heard that? Right? You're like, uh, never. Right? Or, or hey, we want to just give some credit to the other side. Right? No. It's always like, zap, zap, zap. You know how they did this wrong? They did this wrong. Right? There's never, ever kind of like this reflective on your own self. Or, or talk about, you know, sports radio. And how there's always on these, uh, you know, this contrarian person that has this kind of out there idea. Actually, me and a friend were talking about like, hey, everybody likes to discuss on social media and threads and everything. And we're like, hey, what if there was just like, you just had this kind of thing where people were just interacting about a Bible verse or about a passage and you're just getting people to discuss the word of God. But we thought, man, I don't know how long people would actually do it. You'd have to almost plant somebody in there with this contrarian idea and then people would want to talk about it, right? Because we, we, we kind of jump on certain things. You know, we, we, we like to, to wrestle it up, point out how people are wrong or whatever, and avoiding other things. I mean, like, what about you? Because it's not just the world out there. It's very, is it very natural for you to look at the faults of others and avoid your own? So that's where we're going to be looking today in Matthew 7, Jesus is just talking about, uh, we will have three points. Um, you know, the, the heart we need, 
the relationships we need and the discernment we need. So if you've got a Bible, open up to Matthew 7. <clears throat> Matthew 7, we're going to be first looking at um, the heart we need. So it says in verse 1, do not judge. Right? I, I don't know if this is still true today, but I heard at one point this was actually the most quoted verse in the Bible. It had beat out John 3.16. Judge not. People say it often, right? Don't judge. Not supposed to judge. Just mind your own business. And, and we, 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 in our world today, we think that basically, you know, kind of with that kind of mentality, with that statement, you shouldn't tell anybody that they're doing anything wrong, that what they don't think is wrong, unless it's, you know, like on a, you know, anonymous, you don't actually know the person social media thread, then you could blast away. Right, but like in person, you don't you don't want to ever tell anybody that they're you can't you can't even make an evaluation. You know, everybody could just kind of do what's right for themselves, do what's right in their own eyes, their own truth. And if you say, "Well, hey, I think that's wrong," we just throw it out there, right? Just don't don't judge. First, I think that that's kind of ironic because if somebody comes to you and says, "Like, oh, hey, Ricky, you know, I don't think what you're, I don't know if you what you're thinking is right," and I just go, "Don't judge," then I'm making a judgment call about you. Right? So it's kind of ironic. Even if you're saying don't judge, you're judging. But is that, is that, is, is what Jesus is saying, hey, just don't, is that what he's actually saying? Like how we many times interpret it is like, hey, just don't make any kind of judgment calls whatsoever. Don't make any kind of discernment, evaluation on if something is good or bad, right or wrong. Is that, you shouldn't evaluate any of that. If he means that, I find it funny is that in verse six, he says, don't don't give these things, these good things, to dogs or pigs, right? That's, in it. That's telling you to kind of make a judgment call, right? In verse 11, he says, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts. That's kind of a judgment call. Later, later on in verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious fools. So wait a minute, you're telling me to make some judgment calls, right? But in verse 1, you're saying don't judge. You know, in Jesus made judgment calls on the Pharisees. 1 Corinthians 5, 12, Paul says, are you not supposed to judge those who are inside the church? 1 John 4, 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So it's clear when we see scripture, Jesus is saying, hey, you can, you can make some evaluation. You could, you know, it's okay to, to see if something's right or wrong, healthy, unhealthy, wise, unwise. So what does he mean when he says, don't judge? So first with that word judge, it can kind of have this range, range of meaning, right? It can mean kind of evaluate or assess, discern if something is good. Or wrong, but also judge could be in this different way that it just can mean to condemn. And in Romans 14:10, it says, "You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat." And so it ties like, "Hey, you're judging somebody and you're treating them with contempt. You think you're judging them, and you, and you think that they're beneath you." You've placed yourself far above them. You despise them. You condemn someone. And so Jesus, um, and also in Luke, it's similar to this, Luke 6, it's similar to this passage here in Matthew 7. You know, he says, don't, don't judge harshly. And it includes that word condemn. 
and it encourages forgiveness. And so Jesus isn't saying, hey, just think that, you know, just, just everything's relative, right? He's, he's not saying that, and everybody could determine what is right in their own eyes. But what, what he's encouraging us in is like, hey, don't have this spirit of judgmentalism. Don't go with harshness, this contempt, this condemning of someone else. And in verse 2, it says, for you will be judged with the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. And so some, some rabbis uh, in, in, the, in this time in the ancient world, uh, you know, they would say that God had two measures. One was justice and one was mercy. And so Jesus could be kind of driving his point using, using that, that kind of language that was at the time. You know, for, for example, you may have um, contempt and, and condemn a person. You know, maybe, maybe that's like a sexual sin or something of, of, of that nature. And, and, but again, remember Jesus said like, oh, hey, it's not that you just don't commit adultery. It's that if you have it in your own heart. Right? And so you could be like, oh, I'm going to condemn that person because they have that kind of sin, but I have this different kind, and I just have lustful thoughts, and so that's, that's way different. I'm going to condemn them, but it's okay for me. Does that kind of make sense? You know, hey, the, the measure, if you're using this measure to judge harshly against someone else, are you assessing your own way and just kind of writing yourself off? You know, and I don't know if you guys ever wrestle with this, but you see, you know, maybe it's somebody that you know, or it's, you know, just kind of things out there in the world, and there's this thing of like, man, I want justice done. And that's not always bad or anything, but you want justice for done to somebody else, but you want mercy for yourself. In uh, Matthew 18, there's the unforgiving servant. There's this guy, he owes like, I mean, a million dollars. He owes a ton of money. And it's forgiven. It's like, hey, you know what? We'll just cross that debt off. He leaves from being forgiven the debt. He walks out there. Somebody owes him 20 bucks. And he's like, you owe me 20 bucks. I don't have it. Will you forgive me? He was just forgiven a million dollars. And he's like, nope, you owe me the 20 bucks and I'm going to throw you in jail. Right? Hey, he wants to be forgiven, but he's going to judge harshly someone else. And again, this doesn't mean that we, do, we just ignore sin. Jesus didn't. Right, Jesus dying on the cross actually screams to us that God demands justice. Right, God didn't just turn a blind eye to our sin and say, well, well, bummer, hopefully they just figure it out. Hey, I just need to forgive them and just look over it. Justice was served and Jesus paid for it. And so Jesus here, what he's, what he's actually focusing on is our, is our attitude, our heart. He's saying, sure, yeah, you, you can evaluate if something is right or wrong. You can have discernment. But hey, what about your heart towards somebody else? Do you have this spirit of judgmentalism, this, this desire to judge harshly to others? Because that, that, you know, he says that, that that's hypocritical. And, they, uh, hypocritical. and then look at verse 3. He asks a question. Why do you look at a splinter in your brother's eye? So that's some sort of sin or struggle or whatever. You look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye. People are, are far more aware, again, typically, of what is wrong with somebody else than what is wrong in their life. We could be super sensitive to what they're doing, how they mess up. Right? But we, we tend to view our sins or the struggles in our life as, hey, we, we tend to minimize those. Right? That's not a big deal, but you, 
Okay, that's it. And so if, uh, if you ever ask your kid or you see some kids doing this, hey, what'd you do? What'd you do? And then they just say, well, they, right? And you're like, aha. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, hey, I didn't ask you what they did. Go to your room. Um, center. Um, you know, but, but that, that, and, and we kind of tend to do the same things, right? Like, hey, look what, what they did. And, and you know, what, what, if, what, if, what if you're married and your spouse says something? Man, you just feel it, right? Oh, yeah? Or maybe you're dating somebody. Oh, man. Hey, Ricky, do you know about this? Do you know about what you did? <laughs> right? I mean, nobody's ever done that, right? It's just, it's just, it's just me. You know, like you're like, man, Christy's a lucky gal. Um, you know, and so when he says, hey, um, the plank in your own eye, why, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and not the plank in your eye? And, and so he, he, he's using hyperbole here. It's not that your sin is bigger in, in the plank and, and they just have a little sin. He's not going, like doing, hey, bigger or lesser sins. What he's saying is, man, it should be obvious. Even if you have a speck in your eye, that should be pretty obvious, right? Because you feel it. It's right there. If, if, if somebody else has a speck in their eye, man, I'm not as close. We should be far more aware of our own sins, our own insecurities, our own selfishness. And, and we shouldn't deny that, right? If, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've trusted in Christ, like one of the, the basic premises of the gospel is this, you are messed up. You are sinful, right? You, you're not good enough. You don't have it all figured out, right? So we should be aware of like, man, there are, yes, God has saved me totally by his grace. It's not because I earned it. It's not because I deserved it. It's not because I've like cleaned myself up. Jesus saved me by Christ alone, through grace alone, by faith alone. That's him. But man, there's still some places that are, that are in my heart or in my mind that God wants to shape to continue to be like him. I don't need to deny those things. Those are real things. Why, what, and so this question that Jesus asked, why? Why? I mean, I want us to actually like take a little time to answer that question. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and ignore the plank in yours? Because something is wrong in our hearts. Something's wrong in our hearts. I mean, Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is more deceitful than anything else and incurable who can understand it. Right? We don't like to look at our sin. Right? I think one of those big reasons is pride. Man, we just think that, right? You think what you think because you think it's right. Right? If, if you didn't think it was right, you would probably think something else. We, we cover our sin. You know, pride's a sin, and then we, we have pride, and then we cover up that sin with more pride. We don't want to admit that we're wrong. We tend to place our, our hope or identity in ourselves. And so this is, sometimes this admission that we're wrong or we're in sin, man, that's not just an admission of a wrongdoing. That's actually something that we feel on us, right? We can't afford to acknowledge it. Another big reason is this, is just shame. Man, why do you look at, why do you not see your own sin? Because, man, if I acknowledge it, I feel shame. I feel something within me that I don't like that feeling, and I think that other people see it, or I think God sees it. 
Remember, you know, in, in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, God said, hey, don't eat that fruit. Just one. You can do whatever you want. Be fruitful and multiply. I think we'd be like, thanks, God. <laughs> right? High five. <laughs> whatever. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but he's like, hey, don't eat that one. So then they eat it. And then right when, when they eat it, they go hide. God comes looking for them. Hey, Adam, what happened? And then he says this, it was the woman that you gave me, God. <laughs> you, you gave me this woman. And she was like, hey, look what I found for you. And, I, <laughs> right? and then he's like, so, so, so I don't know, so I ate it. <laughs> right? He, he feels ashamed before God. Right before that, right before that, they were naked in the garden. They felt no shame. Boom, sin enters the picture, shame. Now I don't, I don't know what you think of me anymore, God. I also don't know what my, my, my wife Eve thinks of me. And so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna blame. I don't wanna see my sin, God. And so, so it becomes just far easier. I mean, just think if Adam just said, yeah, man, I really sinned, please forgive me. You know, like God had, had been this person that he trusted this whole time. Maybe, maybe you, are, you know, don't want to look at your own sin because you're afraid of what God thinks of you or maybe you're afraid of what somebody else thinks of you. You know, like it, it becomes far easier to look at the people of other, other people's sin than our own. Remember Luke 18, when there's the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers and evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Right? There's no like, God, man, there's pride in me. Or any of these things. But the heart we need, Jesus, Jesus had actually pointed to it earlier in the sermon. Blessed are the, it's the first one, poor in spirit. Man, you want to be the kind of person that's not just looking at everybody else's sin? Man, you're poor in spirit. Gosh, I'm spiritually bankrupt. God, I'm nothing. I, I, I come to you with nothing on my own. God, I desperately need you to, to save me. I desperately need you to shape me and change me. God, I need your word to, to lead me. I need your spirit to guide me. God, I need you. Poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, mourn their sin. Man, there's this, this attitude of the heart. You know, and you know, we, so we don't just gloss over our sin. Being aware of your own sin, being aware of your own need for him. And so Jesus says, hey, in verse five, hey, when, when that kind of heart is being shaped in you, poor in spirit, mourning your sin, humble, humility, hey, as that is being shaped in you, the heart of God, then you are able to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He isn't saying you have to have no sin. Hey, just have zero sin in your life. If you get rid of all of it, then you can do something, right? Because that's not going to happen. But he's saying, hey, this kind of attitude, this humble heart, then you can help them with their sin. You know, this, he's not encouraging cowardice. Or Nebraska nice, right? Nebraska nice, we love to avoid conflict. 
I think we're all pretty familiar with that. But he's, but he's just saying, hey, this is the kind of heart that I want you to have. That as you approach anybody, hey, you're aware of your own sin. You're aware of your own need for God. And so that's the heart that he wants us to have in this, the heart that we need. And then he moves on to the kind of relationship that we need. Okay, verse five. Hypocrite. Again, going talking about the heart. First, take the beam out, um, of wood out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Right? So there is this thing of like, hey, basically Jesus is saying, we all got something. You got something in your eye, they got something in theirs. So he doesn't like, oh, if... If you have a plank in your eye, or if they have a speck in your eye, there's like they do, and you do too. But he, but he is saying, like, hey, as you have the, this humility in you, this heart of God, this good attitude, then you're able to help them with their stuff, right? We all have these specks. We all have sins and struggles. And, and, and again, it's just kind of odd that in church culture, we try to pretend that we don't have anything, right? How's marriage? Perfect. How you doing? Great. Had a quiet time this morning. I didn't, by the way. You know, but like, like we all fall short. And so the in this is just like, hey, we all have specks in our eyes. We all have things that we need to work on. Again, the person that has lied to you the most is you. You will lie to yourself. You will talk yourself into all of these things, gloss over your sin, gloss over your insecurities far more than anybody else. Right? Think, think of King David in, in um, 2 Samuel 12. He had stolen another man's wife, lied about it, and then had the guy murdered, the lady's husband murdered. Then the prophet, Nathan, afterwards comes to David and he tells him this story. Hey, there was this poor farmer and all he had was one lamb. That was it. But then there was this powerful king, this powerful ruler, and he had thousands of sheep. And one day, a guest comes to eat with the powerful ruler. And instead of actually, you know, using one of his own lambs to feed his guest, he went over there, stole the poor man's lamb, killed it, and fed it to his guest. David's outraged. Oh my gosh, that's awful. You know, and, you, and I mean, like, I'm, you're thinking the whole time, like, what? I mean, like, I'd be squirming in my seat. You're like, Really? Uh, well, maybe the poor guy owed him one. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'd be like, oh, gosh, Nathan knows. It should be so obvious, but David's outraged. He's like, man, yeah, that guy, that guy is terrible. Should be put to death. And then Nathan says, you're the man. Why couldn't David see it? I mean, and that's like a glaring obvious one. If David can't always be aware of his own sin, do you think that we aren't always aware of our own sin as well? Right? The same could be true for us. We're blind to it. We're blind to our own insecurities. Proverbs 27, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. People help us grow. They point, point out things that we cannot see. Am I always right in my marriage and how I deal with Christy? No. Is Christy 
always right in how she views things? Most likely. <laughs> right? So, so, I mean, so, several years ago, Christy was like, hey, what if we go take our, you know, the family on this trip? It wasn't very expensive at all. And I was really reluctant. I call it poor kid syndrome. But, but, it, but it's this thing, you know, it's like, the, through, but through these conversations that Christy and I are having in this, Christy helped point out some of my own insecurities and anxiety with money. She, God used her in that. Alex has helped me see like Ricky, 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 take a day with the Lord. Ricky, take some rest. And I'm like, man, if you know what? If he wasn't spurring me on towards that, would I be doing it? Probably not. My huddle helps hold me accountable. You know, encourages me to, to get into God's word, to be pursuing God, man, iron, sharpening iron. And notice that, that for you to get to see if there's a speck in somebody else's eye, you kind of got to get close, right? Right, I can't see that because of the distance, but you're like, hey, somebody I have a relationship with. Somebody that, that you know. There's this openness and trust. And, and hey, I was, I, and I think, I think pretty much most of us want that in our life, right? Something that we say around here, discipleship happens in relationships. I think we want that. But I just want to tell you, man, that takes time. That takes consistency. Man, hey, I'm going to continue to engage. I'm going to continue to talk. I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to show up. Takes intentionality. Having people in your home. Pursue someone. And, and I know that it, it might feel, you might think, man, everybody else has these kinds of relationships that are super awesome, and I'm kind of sitting over here. That might not be the case. Right? But it takes time. We can't do it alone. And so here, here's just the question I have for you. Do you have someone in your life like that? That, that, that they're encouraging you, that they're, that, you know, lovingly helping you point out things, hey, is this an area of your life you know, that maybe God wants to, to work in? You know, we, we can be, I know in, particularly South Lincoln, we can have a lot of stuff going on. We can be activity or experience rich, but relationship poor. And I don't know if at the end of your life you're going to be like, man, I'm so glad that I did more activities. Or you're going to be like, you know what, man, I'm so glad that I had a few people that were in walking with me in life, pointing me to Christ. Now, remember, for these relationships to happen, it's not just like, oh, hey, go have these relationships. Remember, Jesus starts off with the heart of it. What is your heart in these relationships? To have, you know, this right attitude, this right um, thing in this. And so even if you are noticing a speck in someone's eye, how do you take a speck out of somebody's eye? You know, is it just like, hey, let me grab a hammer. <laughs> Whack! Well, I didn't get it out of there. Let's give it another one. Bam! Right? It's gently. Galatians 6, 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, right? But watch, your, watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Pointing out someone's sin is to help them grow closer to Christ. Again, that, that takes humility. But, but I want you to know, for this to work, for this kind of relationship, the relationships that we really need, for this to work, not only are you in humble 
in being aware of your own need for Christ, your own sinfulness, the own areas that Jesus wants, wants to shine light and truth into. As you go to somebody else, you also need to be the kind of person that somebody can come to. I mean, there, we, we saw the, the, the instance of David, right? The prophet Nathan went to him, you're the man. David repented. The previous king, Saul, God had told Saul, hey, hey, Saul, you, this is what I've commanded you to do. You need to go destroy this stuff completely. Don't take any of the spoils. Saul disobeyed God when Samuel, the prophet, went to him. What'd you do? He's like, no, nah, no. Nah. He, he, he just didn't, just lies about it. Oh, no, I did, I, I did what you said. And then he's like, oh, we were, we were just going to give, we, 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 yeah, okay, we, we kind of took the spoils, but we're going to give them, dedicate them to God, just lying. Then he deflects, he blames, he's like, the soldiers did it, and just diminishes it all. He, does, he doesn't actually just take the kind of, like, encouragement that Samuel's wanting to do. And so, man, for us to have the, also to have the kind of humility that's willing to have somebody help take a speck out of our own eye. I like Proverbs 12.1, especially in the NIV on this one. It says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. It's <laughs> the word of the Lord. <laughs> right? For us, for these to work, we have to be poor in spirit, mourn our own sin. Humility. We need God, every single one of us. And that humility leads us to, to Christ. It leads us to repentance. And so if somebody comes to me with something, and I'd love to say, or if, or if Christy comes to me with something, like, I'd love to say every time I respond so greatly. But she was wrong. Just kidding, that was supposed to be a joke. Didn't land. <laughs> but, but, you know, there's that humility needed to us. And, and, you know, there's just such a beauty to this. There really is. I, I, this is, uh, yeah, go ahead and show that picture there. Now, I don't know if this is scientifically accurate, but the illustration will work. So in my neighborhood and backyard, there's, the, there's a bunch of these trees like this. And I don't know if you can see it, but like on the top, the leaves are red. And on the bottom and on the backside, the leaves are green. And, um, you know, I noticed that, that some of the leaves were changing and some of the other leaves hadn't really changed at all. And again, it's just an observation, but like, why is that? Why are some of the leaves changing? Some of them aren't. And in one tree in particular, it was like the parts of the leaves that weren't changing is where the house shaded it. But the leaves that got the light, those were the ones that were changed. And so the same is true for you and me. God uses his word, his spirit, his people to shine light into our hearts, into our lives to bring about change. But without that light, without the light shining into us, it, man, there's going to not be any change. And so we need to give people license to have these kinds of relationships with us because if we don't, we're missing out on God transforming us. And so we see that, that you know, that God, Jesus is talking about the heart we need. He's talking about the relationships we need. And lastly, he talks about the discernment we need. Look at verse six. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. Oh, that's awesome. Right? I mean, that verse just feels out of place. I remember I was just wrestling with it. It's like, yeah, cool. What are you saying? And, and, and Jesus is saying like, hey, yes, this is the heart that I want you to have that's humble. I want you to have these kinds of relationships. But also there needs to be discernment in this. 
You know, so, so first, who are the pigs and the dogs? You know, the dogs today are way better than cats, first of all. You know, um, but, you know, like today, it's like, oh, man, we like dogs are awesome. We love dogs and, and we buy them, you know, the great, you know the, you know, the stuff that wolves ate and all that stuff, that commercial. Right. And so but back then when Jesus is talking about these dogs, dogs were like scavengers. Pigs were unclean. And so this kind of goes along with Second Peter, two. It says, um, and, and Peter's talking about some people. He's like, of them, the proverbs are true. As a dog returns to its vomit, and a pig that is washed returns to their wallowing in the mud. And so he's talking about, man, there's some people that it's like, man, they're just this dull of heart. They can't accept truth, can't receive what is holy. And so, um, so, so these dogs and pigs are people that just can't receive it, can't receive truth. They can't receive um, what, what, God, you know, what God is bringing before them or what you might be bringing before them. They're kind of unclean. And so to help us understand what, what he means by pearls, um, Ma- Matthew 13, Jesus shares another like, little parable about uh, pearls. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went out and sold everything that he had and bought it. The pearl is the kingdom of God, the truth of God, the gospel, the word. And, and so I like how uh, Timothy Keller kind of draws this out, you know, contrasting the, the, the pig uh, here in Matthew 7 to the man in Matthew 13. So the man in Matthew 13, when, when he finds the pearl, the kingdom of God, it's like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. This is amazing. Man, the gospel, he receives it with joy and he sells everything he has to get it. It's, man, the kingdom, the gospel is so valuable to him. The truth is there to save him and sanctify him. This is life-changing. And so, the, but the, the dogs and the pigs... Man, they're not interested in the truth. It's, it, they're only interested in food. You know, if you, some, if you throw something out to pigs and dogs that they think they're going to eat, but it's pearls, they're like, well, this isn't, this isn't food. And when they notice it's not what they want, then they, they turn on you, right? Well, hey, you didn't, you didn't give me what I wanted. This isn't for me. And many times we kind of approach God that way. What's in it for me? God, will you just give me what I want? Will you give me the kind of comfort I want? Give me the kind of money I want, the kind of job I want? But the, but the man in Matthew 13, it's not about him getting his way, getting his want. He's just like, man, I'm going to sell everything so that I can have this, so that I can have the kingdom of God. Because he knows that having Christ is better. You know, and, but the pigs, they just can't accept the gospel can't accept the kingdom. And, and hey, I, you know, I just want to take a moment, like, maybe you're hearing this and you realize, man, I've been kind of a pig. Maybe you've been that person that you, you just really can't see the beauty of the gospel. Or maybe you've been kind of going to church your whole life and Jesus was just kind of a thing, but you've never actually really trusted in Christ as your savior. Maybe you've just never really thought, man, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing and Jesus is around. You know, I just say, hey, today could be the day where you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be one of those pigs or dogs anymore. Man, the gospel, the truth of Jesus is so amazing. He saved you by, not by what you've done, but be totally because of what Christ has done for you. 
And you can see, see the beauty of the gospel that, man, God, Jesus loves you more than you can ever imagine, more than you can possibly ever know. And you could find the pearl that's, that's of greater value if you just trust in Christ. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you need to have discernment in, you know, on, on taking these pearls, this truth, the kingdom of God before people. Because some people, if you take it to them, they're just, they won't appreciate them. And it, they're not just resistant, they're actually becoming enraged by it. This doesn't mean that we don't share the gospel. We do share the gospel uh, boldly. But let me give you some quick clarity on this. And so what does what Jesus kind of pointing us out to? And like, how do we discern kind of these relationships? And are we just casting pearls before swine that will turn and attack us? And so first is the what, right? Discern what you need to share with someone. If someone doesn't know Christ, I don't think that you need to point out that they have a drinking problem. Because if they are like, oh yeah, and they change that, or they change whatever like kind of big kind of faux pas church sins that we, we love to pounce on. If they solve that, then it's just like, okay, great. You have now a sober person that still doesn't know Jesus. That's not what they need. Right? So discern, hey, what is it that I primarily need to be pointing or sharing them with? Second thing is this, how? Be discerning in how you share the gospel. Each person's unique. You know, and, and they might need to be engaged with the gospel in different ways. It isn't always about this exact you know, kind of presentation or formula that, that you give to them. Right? Listen to them. How do you even know what, like what God is maybe doing in their life or they're wrestling with or they value or how Jesus might be speaking into their life? So discern just like, man, hey, how can I point you to Christ in your life? so that you might know him. You know, don't, don't just try to be so forceful with it. You know, but kind of, kind, of, kind of respect God's pacing in their life and what he's doing in their life. And so third is when. So we said what, how, when. Be discerning and know when they are completely resistant and they just will not accept the truth of the pearls. They're defiant and they're like the pigs, you know, that just won't accept it. You know, this shows up in two ways. Um, you know, someone that doesn't know Christ, we see this in Matthew. Matthew 10, it says, if anyone will not welcome you, Jesus is telling this to his disciples, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that town, that Homer town, and shake the dust off from your feet. You know what? They, it, they just won't accept it. Jesus tells um, them to leave the, the, tells his disciples in Matthew 15, hey, just leave the Pharisees. They're not taking us, they're blind guides. In Acts 18, Paul, the, Acts 18, 5 and 6, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed him, uh, opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. For now, I will go on to the Gentiles. You know, there could come a time when someone is just so resistant, hostile, the best thing is to just, you know, just to give them time. Pray. See how God works in their life. Um, only supernatural power can change, change a person's heart. I like this quote by Ian e. Bounds. He says, we shouldn't try to talk to a person about God without also talking to God about that person. Right? We're praying for them. So, second way that could, somebody could be, you know, just completely resistant and defiant, you know, like the pigs in verse 6, sometimes that can happen in the church. You know, Matthew 18, it says, if someone sins, go to them. Go to them, and then go two or three of you go 
And, and, and if they refuse to listen, kind of, you know, treat them as a pagan or tax collector. 1 Corinthians 5 says, man, hey, if, if there's this unrepentant person, just kind of give them, give, give, you know, just give them space. Hand them over. And Titus, um, Paul says, is a wanted diversive person once or twice, but after that, do, have nothing to do with them. There comes a time when someone's just like, man, they just can't receive it. But here's kind of the thing. Sometimes you can't avoid it, right? Because you don't, don't always know if somebody's a pig until they act like one. You know, you, you shared the pearls, you shared the truth. By their reaction, they showed themselves that way. And sometimes it could be, it maybe has nothing to do with you, no matter how good you shared it, no matter how much you even prayed for them. No matter how well you shared the truth, they just hate you for it and they turn on you. Right? And Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew that when he came to earth. Because really the most ever valuable thing is Jesus himself. Right? He's the pearl. Jesus is the worth, worth giving everything up for. And Jesus said, man, I'm going to go to the dogs, I'm going to go to the pigs, and they won't all listen. They won't accept me. And guess what? When they didn't accept him, when they didn't trust in him, they did turn on him, and they did trample him. But he came anyways. Isaiah 53, talking about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by man mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus, the pearl, came and was trampled on. He was attacked, and he was crucified, and he paid the price of sin for each one of us, us, those dogs, those pigs that don't always receive the truth. And this was, he came and did that so that he might, is the only way for us to actually just no longer be pigs. No longer be just ones that are wallowing in the mud. No longer be the ones that are in darkness. So that we, by his wounds, we may be healed. So that we can have the pearl, which is Christ himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, um, we thank you that you are that pearl. We thank you, God, that, that you are so amazing, God, so worth everything. Lord, I, I pray that you would just give us, um, yeah, just shape in our hearts, Lord, this humility, Lord, that, that, we, that we just know our need for you. And, and Lord, that, that that shapes us, Lord, as we interact and that we grow in the kind of relationships that we need, Lord, to, to help each other to point out those blind spots um, in our life, Lord. So again, just that we might have the light of, of truth, you shining in our hearts and changing us, transforming us, God.